Jesus knew his life was coming to an end. When he woke up Palm Sunday morning all those years ago, it was with an unsettling mix of butterflies, nerves, and anticipation. You know, that feeling in the gut, which is almost nauseating, but is also excitement. Maybe anticipation is a better word. Jesus knew this was the end of things for him. He'd been predicting such an end at various times throughout the Gospel of Matthew, almost from the beginning, when he narrowly escaped death at the hands of Herod. You could say he was living on borrowed time since he was two. Jesus knew this was the end, that this week would bring on a series of events which would lead to his death. Over the course of Holy Week, we see a Jesus who is variously angry, hurt, sentimental, forgiving, and thoughtful. He lashes out at the people in the court of the Gentiles. He tells stories of the promised return, so his disciples, had they listened, would have hope. He weeps in the garden. Jesus knew this was the end of his life. You get the feeling he wakes up on Palm Sunday with a choice in his mind. He could turn around and go back to the desert in the hills, preaching a nice but non-threatening message of love and hope and care for each other. He could have had a long life of healing ministries where he helps the blind to see but doesn't say or do anything which threatens the empire or the temple establishment. The powers of the world were happy to let him roam around the countryside, preaching the message of good news to the captives. They even tolerated a low to medium amount of criticism towards the empire as a venting mechanism for an unhappy populace. But walking into the heart of Jerusalem, bringing those messages of a power which triumphed over the controllers of this world— over the powers and empire they stood for and represented, and which in turn gave them power, that was an unacceptable subversion. You can't walk into the heart of the capital, into the temple itself, and call the priests out on their corruption without expecting to suffer consequences. Jesus knew this was the end. But he didn't have a choice on this Sunday morning, not really, not without denying who he was, not without betraying everything he stood for in this life. He had to go into Jerusalem. But maybe he didn't need to do it in quite the way he did. Jesus knew the end was coming, and he chose to do this in this way, in a way which was a deliberate thumb in the eye of the empire. At the time Jesus processed into Jerusalem on a humble donkey and remarkably a baby colt, at the same moment Pilate, the Roman governor, is parading from the Jaffa Gate into the heart of the city. Jesus, riding a farm animal, sitting on two coats thrown over its back, rode through town to the cries of, Save us! Save us! Which is what the word Hotsiana means. Save us, Messiah! Save us. Pilate, on the other hand, rode on a horse, bedazzled with gold and plated armor, symbols of the empire, ostentatiously displayed on the horse in the person. 
The crowds were hushed, eyeing warily his return to Jerusalem. Pilate was only there to keep the people from revolting, to keep a lid on the Passover attempts of revolution, which had become an every-year occurrence. Pilate was decidedly not there to save anyone, but to maintain empire. Jesus knew what he was doing, entering Jerusalem in that way, and he might have gotten away even with this humble procession and the cries of save us, save us, and the hopes of the people on the south side of town, had he not done the one thing guaranteed to get him killed. He could have gone anywhere in Jerusalem, but Jesus chose to go into the temple courts and clear out the court of the Gentiles. When the end is coming, all you can do is choose who you will be and what you will stand for in the end of all things. There are events outside of the control of even Jesus to stop. The end of his life was unpreventable, unavoidable, unchoosable. All Jesus could do was choose who he was going to be in the face of the end. Ends are a part of life. Nothing goes on forever and ever, amen. All things must pass. God's future marches swiftly on, leaving all things visible and invisible in its wake. We cannot stand upon the threshold and shout at the wind to stop. We can stand in front of the steamroller and yell stop and scream and stomp our feet, but none of the yelling and stomping and shouting and spinning is going to stop the inevitability of what is to come. Ends are a part of life. We cannot be saved from endings, no matter how many hosannas we shout or palms we wave. Holy weeks of last suppers and walks in the garden and last ritual baths are a part of life. And when we know the end is coming, when the days have been marked and numbered, those holy weeks become even more precious and holy. When raising kids, you know the days are numbered. They slowly tick off lasts of things until they move out and the last suppers of full-time parenting come to a close. And you know, you know as a parent, those days are numbered. So if you are wise, you slow down long enough to cherish the moments and memories which you know won't last forever. I stood in the kitchen yesterday and soaked up the dance party, which I instigated, mostly because watching the youngest dance is kind of hilarious at this point. The oldest dance moves have progressed beyond what I can do. The middle one does sort of a break dance move that looks like a hippopotamus, and the oldest just tries to do as many handstands as she can. But I slowed down long enough to soak it in, knowing the days of family dance parties are numbered. Maybe that's why when endings are sudden, they seem harder. Because we didn't get a chance to soak up those last memories and moments. Didn't know we needed to do so. And as much as Jesus did, when the days are numbered, when we know the end is coming, our emotions get a little bit out of control. The anger comes more easily and more suddenly and with an extra dose of guilt because we picture in our brains something different, that the end is supposed to be peaceful and docile and sweet, and all those lies Hallmark has told us. 
When things are precious to us, we hold on more tightly to them and it hurts more to let them go. When ends come, we only have a choice of who we will be in the face of those last days. Jesus chose his last weeks to stand up to the power which oppressed his people, which held them in poverty and oppression, to tell the temple establishment which lied to them about who God was and what God asked of them. When Jesus flips over the tables in the temple, he didn't just critique the people who were selling the animals to be sacrificed, but also the people who thought sacrificing those animals was part of a path to God. Jesus chose in his last days to tear down the curtain in the temple, separating the Gentiles from the Jews, the men from the women, the poor from the elite, to make the temple a place for all people. And in the last moments of his life, he tore down even the curtain in the holiest of places, which separated God from the people, as if God could ever be confined to a square room and a golden box. Ends come for all of us, and for some of us the number of days are fewer than others. Very few of us will ever face the choice Jesus makes of what to do with his last weeks and hours, or know, like he knew, the number, like a giant digital countdown clock. What if we lived every day as if we were entering the last week, the holiest week of our lives? Now, I know we can't live at that heightened level of emotional engagement or turmoil, and this isn't like a YOLO situation where we start going madly through our bucket list. But it's a question to consider. How would we be different if we asked ourselves who we wanted to be in the end of all things? If we knew the end was coming, if we weren't afraid of it but embraced it, if we knew the stories our children would tell about us, that they were being formed in this last moment, who would we be? And is that person someone Jesus would ask to walk alongside his donkey and its colt as he goes in to flip the tables of the temple and spit in the face of empire? We too often stand by the side of the road yelling Hosanna and waiting for someone else to save us. Jesus has already done the saving work. And Jesus stands on the other end of the road and the end of things and wonders if this is what he died for, a church and a people afraid things might end and their lives might change. No one is coming to save us or rescue us from the work which is here for us to do. And as we wake up this Sunday morning, we do not have a choice about the events of the week to come. We can only choose who we will be and what we will stand for in the face of the end. So who will you be at the end of all things? And who will you be standing beside when the curtain tears and the end which is beginning comes? Who will you be at the end?